Hey, what's up? I'm Jason, and you're listening to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. We're in this series called What's Under Your Bed. It's perfect for October, really. Sometimes the Bible can be scary. Sometimes God asks us to do scary things. And in this series, we're going to be navigating a variety of topics, and we're going to learn how to grow in our faith while shrinking our fear. Let's jump in. This week, our message is called, In the Year King Uzziah Died. It's a Halloween message, so we got to talk about at least some death or ghosts or, or something. In the year King Uzziah died, we're going to be spending most of our time in Isaiah chapter 6 today. We'll also spend a little bit of time in Second Chronicles. So if you have one of those Bibles with the tabs on it, you can start trying to find where it is right now, because I know you don't have the Old Testament, Testament memorized, but, but don't worry, neither do I. And if you don't have any of those things, then don't worry about it. We have the verses on the screen. I want to let the Word of God set the table for what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to jump right into this portion of scripture. Chapter 6, verse 1 of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. If you underline in your Bible like I do, underline that. I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, two wings they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were all calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord all almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Amen. Now let's backtrack just a moment. There's two characters you're going to have to know for this portion of scripture to make any sense. And the first one is Isaiah who wrote it. And the other one is Uzziah who died. Spoiler alert, Uzziah dies. But don't worry about it. We're going to uh, figure out why during our time together. But, but before that, let's backtrack even just a tiny bit more. And we have to understand what's going on. Again, hermeneutics. We talk about it all the time. Author, audience, author's intent, and then how it fits into all of Scripture. And we're going to cover all of that. So Isaiah writes this letter, which is a prophecy from God. He's a prophet. God gives him this vision. And before that, though, 150 years prior, to be precise, precise, so words are, are tough sometimes at the 1030, to be precise is what happened was it was a divided kingdom. There was a civil war 150 years earlier, and they split it up into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So when you read the Old Testament sometimes, you're like, wait, why are they talking about Judah? And they're talking about Israel and what's going on. And most likely that portion of scripture is during the divided kingdom. So the northern part is Israel. The southern part is Judah, which also has the capital city of Jerusalem. And so this takes place during the divided kingdom. Isaiah's coming in as a prophet and he's speaking directly to Judah which is actually very rare for its time. And, and during that time, he is talking to Judah at a time of uncertainty. A time when they didn't know what was going to happen next. And so the other thing that we have to understand is that the Old Testament doesn't really follow chronological order all the time. And even the books aren't actually in chronological order. And so chapter 6 is a vision for most... Uh, Isaiah, wow, I am, 
All right, it's going to get better, I promise. It's a vision from Isaiah, but he's talking about how the start of his ministry. And that's a little confusing because it's chapter 6. And you and I, especially the ones who are like control freaks, like we want things that are like in order. So why would he start in chapter 6? I don't know. But we can find the marker of it if we go back to 1 verse 1. So let's read 1 verse 1, and then this will start to make sense. If you're lost already, don't worry. There's going to be a study guide and some cliff notes. Isaiah 1, 1, the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of who? Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So what that is saying is, is that it's saying that Isaiah, during his earthly ministry, is going to cover the reign of four different kings. And the first king is Uzziah. So we know when Uzziah died, we know that he died around 740 BC. So that helps us know around when the ministry of Isaiah started. And so really Isaiah 6.1 in that opening phrase, in the year King Uzziah died is actually a marker of time of when this letter starts, but it also lets us know what the people are going through at the time. And I think you and I will be able to relate to this right now. What, what is happening is the northern kingdom of Israel has already been attacked and taken over by the Assyrian Empire, who are like the cruel of the cruel. Like they made weapons specifically to not just kill you, but make you suffer for a while before you died. Their reputation would just spread throughout the entire land. And what happened is God allowed the Assyrians to come in and take over. So it's not like God isn't sovereign. God allowed that to happen. Why? Because they allowed pride to come in and their country started being disobedient to God. Sound familiar? It's about to sound worse. See, what happened to Israel is what happens to you and I when things are going well. We fall into this fool's gold trap that you and I actually are in control of things. And we forget what initially started as the favor of God and the blessings of God that we were so thankful for. In time, we start to, to buy into this that you and I have control over our blessings. I have this money because I did this job. I have this success because I am that good. And we forget that it's not even you and I who are in control if our heart is going to continue to, to beat. And so Israel falls into this trap that you and I fall into that even more, spoiler alert, Uzziah is going to fall into. And it's this idea that we forget the importance of the favor of God. And so... At this time, he is writing to Judah saying, did you not see what happened to Israel? Like, I'm pointing this way because they're the northern kingdom. And for some reason, I think north is up. It was just not. Which way is north? Does anybody know? Is it that way? Jonathan, I don't know if I believe you. He says it's that way. Okay. He's saying, remember north, what happened to Israel? You're starting to fall into the same trap. It's not too late to repent. It's not too late to repent. And, and, and they're not listening. And I know what you're thinking, some of you. Some of you are sitting here thinking, well, I mean, come on. Can't they see what's happening to Israel? Why did they not get it? Some of you, there's warning signs all over your life and you don't see it either. Or pride gets in the way and you stop listening. Pride doesn't like to submit. 
but neither do you. You want to know why? Because you can't submit until you disagree. And that's so hard. So, so some people don't want to submit because of pride. Some people don't want to be checked because of pride. And so even though Isaiah is warning them about, look right in front of you, look, look what happened north, they still don't see it or they refuse to. Now, now let's put this in, in, on you for a moment, just in case you're starting to think that you wouldn't have fall for it. When you were in high school, for some of you that was a long time ago, do you remember when you dated that person and your mama said not to? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> mama knows. Did you hear that, sons and daughters? Mama knows. If daddy's got to clean his shotgun before your date comes over, ladies, he ain't the one for you, but you didn't listen. And then you go back and you're like, man, I wish I would have listened. Man, I wish I would have listened. And that's how they probably felt with Isaiah. They probably felt like they wish they would have listened because they're about to encounter what it feels like to have God's favor taken off of them and even worse, God to be against them. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Don't worry, it's going to end sort of happy. The other person that we need to know is how we started this whole thing is King Uzziah. Now, King Uzziah took over as king of Judah at age 16. Age 16. Tristan, how old are you? 15? When do you turn 16? Until pretty soon. Tristan, I wouldn't trust you with the keys to my house, let alone the keys to my kingdom. I wouldn't trust you to walk my dog. No offense to you, but you're 15. I know, you got the whole world figured out, don't you? Uzziah becomes king at 16. And guess what? He's actually pretty good at it. In fact, he's really good at it because the favor of the Lord is upon him and he is obedient to the Lord. In fact, he reigns for 52 years. Some of you don't even know if you can survive four years of a certain political party's administration. He reigned for 52, too soon for that? Sorry. He reigns for 52 years, which is, by the way, the second most in case you care. Needless facts. And, and the Lord was with him, and he recognized that the Lord was with him, and the Lord blessed everything he did. The military grew so strong. They never lost a battle, or rarely. Or if they lost a battle, they came back and won a war pretty quickly. Economically, things flourished. Gas was below a dollar fifty. Their four It's too soon. Their 401k and their 403b were skyrocketing. How's yours? But too soon. And because the favor of the Lord was on him, because the leadership of the country submitted themselves to the Lord, he blessed it. And he continued to bless it until Uzziah started to think it was all about him. See, see, in, in time, the blessings of God, if you're not careful, can make you think that you're the reason that you have those blessings. And we know that, I think, in our mind, but our actions rarely follow it during a season of prosperity. Oftentimes, is the season that you're the furthest from God or you feel the furthest from God. It's during those, those brokenhearted times that he feels close. And so what Uzziah started to do is fall in the same trap that we, that you and I do sometimes, is to not recognize first and foremost that we need the Lord. See, in my, in my house, 
I, I practice the, the law of first fruits. And I take it a little far, maybe compared to some people, but I believe I give God the first of it all. The very first thing that I do when I put my feet down on the floor after I get out of bed is I just say, thank you, Lord, for another day. Right off the bat, you are the first second, the first thought of my day. And then I go to the bathroom, and on the bathroom mirror, I have, I stole this idea from my wife. She's going to want to make sure everybody knows that, all right? I have, I have Bible verses on three-by-five cards, and I have those taped to the mirror, so as I'm brushing my teeth, I see that, and I read those because I want him to know you have the first of my thoughts. And, and, and then I, I go out and I give him the first of my morning after a cup of coffee. Come on, now, let's be serious. And you're like, no, you got to go to Starbucks. No, we got great value in Folgers in my house, hashtag ministry. But, but then I, 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 I read because I want him to know you have the first of my heart today, of my time today. And then, and then we even, in my house, we tithe for the whole month, the very first paycheck I get of the month. Tithe right away. Because I want him to know, I, I need your blessings on my finances, God. I, I, the money that I receive for the rest of the month is from you. I recognize it. And so I, I, I give him the law of first of it all. But here's my question, is when, when you get the promotion, when things are going good, when things are great, are you still practicing the law of first with all of those things? Because if you're not, what you're saying to him is, I don't need you to bless my day. I don't need you to bless my time. I don't need you to bless my heart. I don't need you to bless my money. I don't need any of that. I got it. I'll squeeze in a prayer a little bit later when I have time. Or as I'm laying in bed at the end of a long day and I say, Lord, I just... I, the, the, the fall asleep. No, I know none of you actually feel that, but what do your actions and habits do? Because King Uzziah falls into the same trap. Can I tell you, I don't know if you know this, if you do, just forgive me, but before I ever went into ministry, which really wasn't that long ago, I spent 10 years teaching U.S. history to middle schoolers. <laughs> that was an adventure, an adventure. But but I would sit there and I would tell them, like, look at this little country that started an insurrection against the greatest military force at that time. And not only did they win, they won twice. And not only that, within a couple hundred years, they rose to the most powerful country in the world. How is that possible? And it's possible because the founding fathers established this country on the word of God and God's favor is still upon the United States. But as we grow as a country, as we build these big buildings, as we develop platforms and followings and things are pretty good and we're undefeated in world wars <laughs> and, and all of these different things, that's funny, all of these different things happen, it's real easy as the United States of America to forget how desperate we need the favor of God on our country. But what's stopping us? Pride. And King Uzziah is going to fall into this exact same trap. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 16. And let's find out what started the demise and downfall of such a promising young king with all the potential in the world and success over decades. And pride sneaks up. Verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah the priest with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord followed him in. 
They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, and culturally, it doesn't translate super well, but here's the idea, is that God had the priests and had the government separate on purpose. And the king, the monarch, the government, they weren't allowed in the temple to do this because it was a specific role of the priest. But Uzziah thought, well, I am the king and the Lord has been with me and don't you know who I am? So I'm gonna step in and also do this. And it says that they were courageous priests because they were courageous to tell the king, no, you can't do that. No, you better stop. That took courage. Because much like the queen of hearts, it would be off with your head if you even looked at the king without permission. So these priests are trying to tell him that, but but pride often gets in the way and clouds our vision. And I would imagine that for the next few years, Uzziah would go back to this moment and think, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I just slow down and think this through. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? And you and I, at times in our life, I've gone back to different moments where pride showed up, but I really know that it had been growing for a long time. And I look back to that one particular moment and thought, I would give anything to go back and think it through just a little bit longer. To go back and to really see the ramifications of my decision. Why didn't I just listen? Verse 19. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priests in the presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. When Azariah, the chief priest, and the other priests looked at him, they saw that he had leprosy on his forehead, so they hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. So now he can't be in the temple because not only is he not supposed to be in there, but now he's also unclean and cursed by God, and they all saw it. And then the last verse right here, 21, is a sad, sad portion of scripture that shows you the demise of what was once a successful leader. This is heartbreaking. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. There are some things, church, that God takes serious. And while this isn't going to be the type of a message that centers in the hands of an angry God, I do believe today that we are in danger of the modern church minimizing sin and how detestable it is to God and how serious its consequences are. Oh, Jesus is love. Yes, God is love, but sin is serious. And the the root of all sin is pride. This is what I want more than what God said. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to live. It started off by getting Satan kicked out of heaven and it continued into the Garden of Eden and it can continue today. So what happened is not only did King Uzziah get leprosy, 
but it also affected everybody. Fathers, when you sin, it affects your family. It affects your wife. It affects your kids. There's no such thing as sin in a vacuum. And the sad part for me is, is I believe that I'm on a mission today. This message feels different than some. And I believe there's a word that someone needs to hear today. And we're about to lean into exactly what it is. And some people aren't here today because they allowed life to get in the way. Other things were more important than being here today and hearing from God for them and their family. Aren't you glad you're here? <laughs> Imagine the people who are watching online right now in their pajama pants. What a shame, though, because I believe someone's going to get set free today. you got to believe it. So what happened is Uzziah receives leprosy, which you're probably familiar with, a skin disease, nastiness, rotting flesh, smelled terrible. All the bath and body works, wallflowers in the world couldn't stop the stench of your flesh rotting, deformities. You would lose limbs. But the worst part of it is you are now unclean and considered culturally cursed by God, abandoned. And what happened then is whatever happened to the leader is how they thought God viewed the whole country. And so leprosy is a curse from God. Clearly God gave King Uzziah this leprosy. So that means that God's favor is no longer on this country. He's cursed them. He's against them. And now they were all doing so great. The trajectory was amazing. And then in one instance, one person affected everybody. And now we don't know what's going to happen. Now we are scared. Now I don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Is this going to ever go back to the way it was. They were concerned. They were worried. They were, fear, they were fearful. They didn't know. And that's when Isaiah receives a vision from the Lord. Now that we understand what's going on, now that we understand the context, now let this phrase echo in this place one more time. The same verse that we started with, Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And what we see right here is that God allows Isaiah to have a vision of the throne room of God up in the third heaven. And Isaiah is writing what the throne room of God looks like. But in the year King Uzziah died is not just a chronological marker, but it is a marker of a time when the audience felt hopeless, when the audience felt uncertain, when they were depressed, when they were anxious, when they were unaware of what tomorrow was going to look like. Are we even going to get through today? And he says, in the year that you felt your worst, I saw the Lord. And listen to what he says, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, underline that, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty whose whole earth is full of his glory. This, this phrase right here, this term seraphim, 
is interesting because it's the only time in scripture that it shows up to describe a particular type of angelic beings. Now, those angelic beings are described in other areas of scripture, and we're going to go through that in just a moment. But I'm really leaning in in this season right now to spiritual warfare. It's real. And if you're sitting there going, eh, I don't know, that's exactly where the devil wants you to be. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's spiritual. And you got to understand that Satan hates you because you were made in the image of God. When he sees you, he sees God. He hates your children. He hates your marriage. He hates your grandchildren. And he does not rest finding ways to ruin what you have so that he'll separate you from God. And what happens right here is that we have a vision of the type of angels that are in the throne room of God. Now, now, now I'm leaning into spiritual warfare because I have seen the effects of angels. I have seen demonic forces and I know that it's real. And so I want to know more about it. And there are high ranking, there are rankings really of angels and demons. It's just like in armed forces, there's rankings. And what we see here of the seraphim are most likely with theologians, they are the highest ranking of all of the angels. Why? Because they have access to the throne room of God. And in Hebrew seraphim, it refers to fiery or the fiery ones. So Tony, I'm gonna blow your mind for a second, okay? Angels aren't fat, naked babies flying around shooting bow and arrows to make Shelby fall in love with you. Though I'm not sure how you got Shelby to fall in love with you. The favor of God, yes? This is where you say yes and amen. Trust me. She's listening. It's the fiery ones. So these angels are burning. They're on fire. How cool is that? And then it says they have six wings. And these are the highest ranking around the throne room of God. And then it describes them kind of weird. Like two of the wings are covering their eyes. Like in my mind, I think of those hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil monkeys, you know what I'm talking about? And, 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 and so I, I think of them as covering their eyes, just these angelic beings on fire. That was good sound effects. And, and they're covering their eyes. Why are they covering their eyes? They're covering their eyes to represent the holiness of God. It's almost a veil. Like we do not deserve to look upon God in his form. And then they're covering their feet. So I want to know why. Like, do they got ugly feet? They got a, hang, like a hangnail on their toes? Are they furry, like hobbit feet? Like, why are they, <laughs> Marshall, that's for you. Why are they covering their feet? Like, that's weird, right? Well, because feet culturally were, un, were, were unclean. That's why you washed your feet before you went into somebody's house. That's why, and, 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 and so they're, they're, they're blocking their feet to say right here where God meets his people, this is holy ground and our feet need to be covered for it. And then they have two wings to fly. Do you want to know why? That's because they got to fly. I mean, duh, come on. But they have six wings, and it shows that all of those are, are happening at the same time. Covering your eyes, covering your feet, and flying. And then I want to know, why are they on fire? Why are there flames? And I believe the reason is, is purification. I believe that before you enter the throne room of God, the purification takes away all of the impurities. That's why when you see in the Bible, the word test comes up. Like when James says, count it all brethren, blessed when you face trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith produces character, produces perseverance. And it's the testing of your faith. It's, it's a description for people who work with metal. They'd heat the metal up, it would turn liquid, and then the impurities would rise to the top. And that's how they'd get the impurities out. And so the fire represents that. That's why when, 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 when God says, 
says that things that will not stand the test of fire, meaning that they are not eternal, that they're, they're not worth it. And so the fiery angels represent that because as we talked about earlier with sin, sin separates from God. A holy God cannot be in the presence of sin, which is when we just wrapped up this series on Galatians called You're Not Good Enough. It was this idea that you're not good enough to receive grace or to deserve to receive grace. And that's why Jesus came. And so let's stop trying to earn it and just receive it because when God looks at you, he does not see you. He sees the blood of Jesus that covers you. That's the purification. That's worth celebrating, church. Is anybody ready to give a shout of praise today? Come on. You're waking up and we're almost done. Where have I seen these angels before? There's another man in the Bible who received a vision of the throne room of God. And it would take place over 800 years later after Isaiah's vision. Different men, same vision. And some of this is going to sound very familiar. It's when John, the beloved disciple on the island of Patmos, received the revelation. And God actually shows him at that very moment what was going on in the throne room of God. Don't you wish you could see it? You can. We're going to paint a little word picture for you with some happy little trees over here because John, <laughs> come on. We got a laugh track that we can use for the podcast, Matt? We do. Fantastic. You got applause in there too? Yes. Uh, this is a side note, not in my notes at all. Uh, we filmed some video announcements a couple weeks ago and uh, our guy, Adam, that does the announcements, he has this program and like he uh, literally like, he, he made my face skinnier and gave me a tan and made these ba like bags under my eyes, like not nearly as purple. And I was like, Adam, do not ever show me this witchcraft again. Cause once I see it once, like I know I'm going to have you use it every single time. Ladies, it's kind of the equivalent on Snapchat with the puppy dog filter or the makeup when you know you're not wearing makeup. That's not even in my notes. All right, Revelation chapter four, back to the vision that God gave John. Listen to this, throne room of God. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. It's not a fat little naked baby. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. This is the main part of it all. We're almost done. This was all a setup for this moment right here. So don't allow your mind to go ahead and already exit. This is what it was all for right here. What Isaiah is writing is in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He's trying to tell the people of Judah this. We focus on the horizontal. And the horizontal has different things going on. Now, we don't know what today's going to look like the rest of the day. We don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. We don't know what next week is going to look like. And we spend all of our time and energy trying to control what next week's going to look like, what next month is going to look like. And, and it's kind of like this. It's like a, the old school, original Super Mario Brothers, man. Our lives are 2D. We don't know what's going to come up on the screen next to us. And then we can't go backwards because we always forget when God showed up before. And we, that's elite level preaching right there. And, and, and we look at our life like that. And in and, and, and the horizontal, there's a lot going on. And some of you are in a difficult season right now. 
And Isaiah is trying to say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I looked vertical. Horizontal and vertical. And I think that we can take this and we can extrapolate it to our lives right now. It's the living word of God. In the year and fill in the blank that you had heartache. In the year I lost my job, I saw the Lord. He's trying to say, I saw the Lord. The Lord is seated on the throne. He is not afraid. It did not catch him by surprise. Your circumstance is important to him, but he's already got the victory. And he's trying to tell the people, in the year that your life was falling apart, God is still seated on the throne. And the angels are surrounding it saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the year I lost my job, I saw the Lord. In the year I buried my child, I saw the Lord. In the year I lost my spouse, I saw the Lord. In the year my marriage ended in divorce, I saw the Lord. Let's be reminded, church, that this world is broken that you and I are facing difficult times. We have faced difficult times and we're gonna face difficult times. But during those times, we've gotta remember vertical. We have to remember that God is seated on the throne. We've gotta remember the words of the seraphim because right now, man, I don't know how I'm gonna get through tomorrow. Right now, thinking about next week seems impossible. But the seraphim, for a reason, are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The message of Jesus is the message of hope. Some of you need some hope today. I want to end it with this. One of King David's Psalms. 2515, I love this. It goes right along with what we're talking about. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only He will release my feet from the snare. In the most difficult times, I'm going to stop trying to get out of this trap. I'm going to stop moving and being tangled in this spider web. Instead, I'm going to put my eyes vertical on the Lord. Some of you right now are in a season that's the year the King Uzziah died for you. And I believe I'm on a mission today to remind you to focus on the vertical because the horizontal is always going to be broken on this side of eternity. Our Lord does not look at things horizontal. He sees the beginning from the end because he was, he is, and he is to come.